0: Welcome, Welcome to another episode of The Podquest. PodQuest. Broadcasting from all around Vol Nation, where we talk about Vols football, basketballs, recruiting, and exclusive interviews
1: with those closest to the program. Now, you're about to experience The PodQuest.
2: Good evening and happy new year. This is Georgia Tech Vol and this is The PodQuest. It's 2019. We're excited to be here um we've got a really special guest guest with us tonight so i'm going through unmuting everybody during the intro again georgia tech fall here so happy to be here uh we're going to be talking a lot of different things but tonight we have a very special guest i'm going to go through uh, and introduce everybody on on the pod quest tonight but we got jesse Simonson with us which we are thrilled um whenever jesse joins us because he you know is one of the the top people on the board obviously a member of the vol quest staff but when he speaks people listen so we're really excited to have jesse on i'm going to go through really quickly uh introduce everybody um you guys want to say happy new year to everybody listening go on ahead powell vols how are you my my friend happy new year to you
1: happy new year to you guys too glad to be back on uh glad to have jesse with us
2: yes glad glad to have you too man thanks for being on uh bleed orange 23 how are uh how are your depends working tonight you doing
3: okay We got an extra supply here, son. I appreciate you uh, pulling that out for me just about every week, loyally. But uh, thanks again uh, for Jesse being here tonight. We're all looking forward to a great 2019. And uh, hope uh, it's going to be a great year for the Vols. It looks like it will be.
2: Oh, yes. And I think you got trolled um, from Tennessee Paw Vol, the, uh, the fake account. I still think it's a fake account, but, you know, <laughs> what do with it what you may but
3: uh mom thinks it's ma's no. backing him up ma's by, she's part of the
4: conspiracy
2: i know i know so uh priest fall what's up man you're starting to become a household name here on PodQuest. thanks for joining man how are you tonight happy new year
4: hey happy new year guys yeah glad to be back excited to talk some vol nation with uh with Jesse and, um, you know, I think we can all make the proclamation on tonight's podcast that, you know, there will be an OC hired in 2019. So we got that to look forward to, right? <laughs> Maybe.
2: That's a that's, It's overrated. You're like no, uh, Nostradamus <laughs> or whatever his name is, right? So uh, right? for 2019, I think we've, how many weeks now we've we been, uh, you know talking 20 or you know talking the oc oh it's going to be this week oh we think in the next 24 hours i mean goodness close goodness. to 45 days i think oh my gosh i you know all the predictions that we make so it's funny but uh we love the confession corner priest thank you for being on man uh and we've got another guest that hasn't been here
0: for a little while pounding thrill how are you man welcome back and happy new year Well, oh, thank you good to be back just had to take a little break over the holidays with some travel and things like that but uh looking forward to hearing what jesse can tell us it's all good man and uh you've you've braved
2: some of the live um emergency podcasts that we've done with the video and everything and uh you know you haven't made it you know until they're starting to mock you and i on you know with our pictures and gifs and stuff like that so thanks for taking a beating with those live ones uh but appreciate you being on and welcome back last but not least ptc vol how are you my friend i woke you up from your nap this afternoon calling to make sure you're gonna be on happy new year to you brother
5: Happy New Year, brother. Uh, glad to be back with you guys. Certainly glad to have Jesse on. He's always got great insight, and especially when uh, he'll have a one lighter that sends the board in Fuego. Those
2: are always the best days. Oh, my goodness. We've been itching to have Jesse on for, for a good while after the past few weeks, especially uh, I think it was the a Big we, or however you pronounce it, His uh, that article about him. Oh, a boyby. Yeah, about him. Talking about Tennessee being second, that was just uh, that was <laughs> none. So that really put the board into a frenzy. But awesome. yeah, it's a gift. Man. I mean,
6: it, it really is a gift.
2: <laughs> so with that, <laughs> yeah. the man with the gift. He, he listen, everybody. There, we do give Priest his own theme song, but Jesse deserves his own theme song. We've we had it on last time, so I'm going to per- play it right now. I'm not performing. I'm going to click a button, but I'm going to play it right now before we have Jesse on. Because he is the man. And he is the man. He, he, he's a earring wearing, bust cut having, typing with a couple keystrokes and put the board in the frenzy. Jesse Simonton is on with us, ladies and gentlemen. Jesse, thank you for being here, my friend. No problem, guys. No problem. And, you know, you are an all-star of, of uh, the VolQuest staff, and uh, you really have a way with your words to get everybody into a frenzy. And can you kind of speak to that if if you know, like, right when you're about to click that submit button? Because, you know, we've kind of talked with – Austin and Brent about things and sometimes I don't want to say he do, they don't review it, but you know, it doesn't always go through review every article, right? They, they know what you're going to be posting but do you know, like, when you hit that submit button, this is going to be one that gets everybody going?
6: Uh, I mean, I I think there's a misnomer out there that I'm actively trying to troll people. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> that, that is that is that – is, I'm going to say, you know, and I've said this before. I mean, that, that is absolutely not the case. I'm, I'm, I'm writing, you know, what I want to write, what I, what I think, what I believe, um, and what a kid's telling me. And, you know, fan, a, a portion of the board went crazy because I posted a, an article that I thought was – to me, I thought a boy had some interesting comments as to why he nearly flipped to Tennessee on signing day and yet ultimately stuck with Alabama. Um, it's not like I've done a runner-up column, you know, since I've been at VolQuest for every damn recruit. Uh, so <laughs> That's the fact thing. that it was yes. one guy, you know, and, and suddenly it was like I dropped a bomb on Hiroshima. I mean, it was like it, – it wasn't it, – it, it, it I think that there was a bit of an overreaction there, uh, which is not surprising to, least. to, 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 to a select few on, on the GQ. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think that sounds like a pretty good little – or article that you could keep putting out. I know, I know the board likes the ten things. You know, I think, I think, and I don't. I know love what, that article. It, you know, something like uh, what is it? Bridesmaid pre- playing bridesmaid again with Jesse Simonson or you know, something <laughs> something catchy about us being in second place for a recruit would be pretty funny, and you could get some quotes and stuff. How they almost picked Tennessee. I think it would be great to stir up some some uh, some. Clip. It's a new
6: segment, almost balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: also, we uh, weekly updates during the season. Exactly, and look, we, you know, it's been top a five: Cade
6: Mays, Owen, Papo, and then like
2: who else? That, is that would be amazing. You got Cade, oh. Papa, Who
3: else? We'll
6: we'll, we'll throw will throw T Higgins on there. I mean, you, any any name that any name that's just going to send the GQ in a tizzy.
3: Oh my Brady God! Brady Jr. is going to be all over it. He'll be quoting that thing and. <laughs>
2: Well, he, he needs to pay up first before we na- put his name on this. On yes, the, we, uh, yeah, he needs to right. pay his $100, by the way. So, you know, uh, BD Feathers, BD Jr., uh, please, please pay your $100. Um, we appreciate that. So, uh, but speaking of recruiting, I mean, obviously the early signing, you know, period is come and gone and there's been some upsets and there's been, you know, some defeats on the recruiting trail, but then there are also some huge wins. Um you know quavaris Crouch, for instance, and you know that big recruiting weekend right before the signing period Oh what, yeah, how do you want to kind of summarize you know if you could give it you know a you know from a grading scale i guess what how do you think you know Pruitt ended up doing uh in in this early signing period
6: oh i'm I', I thinking there i mean I wrote this i i I wrote it that mm-hmm. Friday or Saturday I think right before Christmas a column I published that came out. I mean, I I think, you know, I'd give it a a solid B+. I think Tennessee entered um, the dead period just with a lot of momentum. I mean, from an optics and kind of narrative standpoint, beating out a Clemson and beating out a Michigan for Cavaris Crouch, um, that was something that that I think this staff kind of needed to prove that they could do because while the the – Juan E. Morris was a huge, you know, chit in in their chamber – and some of the other guys, in terms of evaluations, were nice. Um, but to kind of get Eric Gray in the fold that Thursday, to then kind of make a surprise to everybody—I mean, you know—we've put this on the board, but you know, AP and I had had heard about Aubrey Solomon and knew that Tennessee was right there. That it was going to be Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and that Aubrey was really kind of going back and forth. What did he want to do? We were even surprised that Friday that that Tennessee was able to announce that and then get it signed, sealed, and delivered. I mean, apparently he Aubrey had also signed papers with Georgia that day too. So he, you know, basically had signed both papers and then submitted and said, "This is where I want to go. I want to go to Tennessee." Just to culminate all that, you know, in the momentum with a, with a guy like Cavares, who was a you know former five star, still a top blue chip player, has a lot of upside. Um, I mean that it was a big deal, and and I think you know it's certainly I think put Tennessee on the map in terms of what they can do. Jeremy, I think to this point, uh, you know he's got he's done well to get guys on campus. A year ago, it was you know Elijah Griffin, it was Tyler, you know Stewart, it was Tyson Campbell, it was these five stars that you know Tennessee swung at but missed. Um, And there's been some of that I think this cycle as well. But the fact that they were able to close so strong with Crouch, I mean, they, you know, Tennessee played their cards right. They basically, they basically sat at the poker table, waited till everyone had kind of shown their hand, um, and then they were sitting there with a flush because they got the, you know, they got the final in-home visit. They knew that Crouch was going to come up here unofficially the final weekend. That was something they did. They worked really tirelessly to kind of keep under wraps. It happened. He came. He was up here with Darnell. He was up here with Juan. He was up here with a bunch of other. Uh, commits. He was up here with Eric Gray, who ultimately committed, and I think kind of that uh, you know, that community feel, plus the fact that I think he feels like he can really be developed by Jeremy. That was a big win for the Vols, and it kind of sends them now into, you know, this next week that we'll exit a week from, uh, really uh, essentially this Friday. So I guess five days. You know what happens next?
5: Let me ask you, Jesse. This is a PTC Vol. chiming in real quick. One of the things that you've noted that of uh, his coach and mentor have noted in the piece that you wrote about why he picked us. Uh, He seems to be a cube. uh, We're talking about crouch seems to be a very cerebral guy that seems to fit with what he's going to be asked to do at the linebacker position. Can you see that big gains for us and getting better sideline to sideline with somebody who has the type of mentality and the mental uh, toughness to make that transition? Yeah, I mean, I for me,
6: Quavaris, and, and, and talking to Sam and talking to other people around Quavaris, I think it all comes down to health for him. I think if he's healthy, he's going to be successful at Tennessee. And and so it's going to come down to this is a guy that has battled, you know, if we're being frank, he has battled multiple injuries. It's been a hip. It's been an ankle. You know, he missed the majority of his senior season because he had an, uh, an ankle situation. Um, he, he obviously – you know, looked awesome in five plays, you know, when we were in San Antonio. And then he gets a shoulder stinger because he runs into an offensive lineman and he missed the next week of practice. Um, so I think if he can stay healthy, I fully expect Cavaris because of his mentality, because I do think he kind of um, is a bit of an old soul and, and has some maturity to him in terms of his vision and, and how he sees the game, how he, you know, sees himself in, in two or three years in terms of, you know his goals and, and ultimate destiny uh, in, in, in terms of NFL dreams. I, I think he'll be successful, but it comes down to health, and that's why I think it's so key to go ahead and get him on campus. He'll be here in a couple days, um, get him in that strength and conditioning program, and get him working his body where he needs it to be. Agreed. I think that uh, being on the college campus, and especially with nutrition and strength and
5: conditioning, now that we actually kept the guy that we've paid all this money to, and have some continuity there. God help us if it was, you know, the guy before the
6: um, rock came in, had it been him, I think we'd be all screwed. Pour one out for Mike Surgeon, that's what you're saying.
3: Yes. (laughs) One thing you mentioned, Jesse, this is Bleed Orange 23. Um, You mentioned about sort of an interesting comment about the uh, Under Armour game and the All-American and the different intensity levels between those two venues. And what you saw there. So my question is, can you speak a little bit more to that? And have you attended both of these before? Is it a little different? Was it different this year than previous years or times when you have visited?
6: So I've now, this is my. This was my third time uh, going to San Antonio for the, uh, it was formerly the Army All-American Bowl. They lost that sponsorship. Um, they were just the All-American Bowl. I think they're working with McDonald's to maybe do like a you know, McDonald's All-American a la uh, the basketball deal. We'll see if that comes through. But
5: mm-hmm.
6: I think historically that has been the better game um, recently you know, since I've kind of been involved because uh, I wasn't doing a, b- a bunch of recruiting stuff when I was with the Herald. But in the last few years since I've moved to Tennessee, I've now gone three, uh, three times to San Antonio. And the, part of the deal there is, is that they put on the pads first day. So these guys, it's kind of like they're thrown into the fire immediately. Whereas in Orlando, which I have also covered several times, Austin and I were there uh, together the last two years. I've been one other time, um, actually with the Herald one time, uh, several years ago. So – that's, it's a bit more, I mean, it kind of makes sense too. It's a bit more laissez Fair because it's outdoors. You're in Orlando. Last year it was actually miserable for AP&I because it was raining and cold the whole damn time. Mm-hmm. But thankfully <laughs> this year, I mean, it's beautiful weather and, and uh, a lot of it's kind of about the the off the field stuff in terms of swag, in terms of the events they get to go to. There's there, there's certainly still some, you know, one-on-ones and competitive stuff, but uh, I mean, I said this on the Valk West podcast. I would have been really interested mm-hmm. to see Darnell, Wanya, Evan Neal, um, Trent Jones, who's going to Michigan, uh, the, the the green kid who's going to Texas A&M. Those guys mm-hmm. in full pads mm-hmm. for a week in the three practices we saw in San Antonio um, versus that Team East, which which just dominated that game. And And I don't take a lot – I honestly don't take a ton from the games because I think – by the time they get to that point, the players are smart enough to say, hey, I don't want to get hurt. Um, but during the practices, man, I mean, especially this week, I mean, these guys, whether it was Nolan Smith, whether it was uh, Alfano, who's going to Alabama, um, I mean, it was, it was just highly competitive uh, at, at, at the East practices. Um, for that front seven, so I would really like to see them. I, th- I do think the Under Armour game this year had the better offensive linemen. So to see them kind of go up against yeah. these uh, guys that really dominated the, the week like of practice Thibodeau. in the game, yeah, like Thibodeau. I mean, th- Thibodeau was the, the best defensive lineman in Orlando, uh, and he looked great in the game and had an, you know the two days we were there, um, he was he was really solid in practice. Uh, but I would like to see a whole team of Thibodeaus, you know, because because that, that's kind right. of what. Um, you had you had Leo from Texas A and M, the, the defensive tackle, who was actually on the West team. He looked awesome, uh, in some of the one on ones we saw as well. So, again, I mean, it's it's it, it's a little bit apples and oranges because of the way they run those two events, they mm-hmm. they like it, it, for for example in the in the uh in San Antonio they do separate practices, which they don't do at the Under Armour game. Like the Ballaholics mm-hmm. and the Team Flash, they all practice at the same time. They practice together. Yada yada. They don't do that um, in San Antonio. They practice separately. It's very much like a, our team versus their team on the second mm. day. So three days before the game, they come together and they do a whole seven on seven tournament and a one on one O line versus D line, and that's a whole deal. And they have a couple mm. more days of practice and then the game. So the way the way the kind of the event is built up, it it, it just. Um, I think it's kind of set up to be more competitive and, and a little more, uh, where the, the intensity's a little ratcheted up a little bit more in Texas.
3: Well, so then to follow that up a little bit more, how did you feel that our guys did now that the games are over?
6: Oh, I mean, I, I thought you know, I mean, Darnell is not a Tennessee guy yet, but I, but it, the, the you know, continuing to read the tea leaves and and. Um, I think Tennessee remains in a good spot there. I thought Darnell was, was really good uh, the second day. He clearly needed to kind of get his feet underneath him after the first practice uh, where he just hadn't done anything. I mean, by his own admission, he'd been, you know, playing Fortnite and whatever else he'd been doing in West Virginia for the last two months since the, <laughs> se- the senior season se- ended. Um, but he, I mean, he just, he is so raw, but he has, he, the upside on him is just tremendous uh, I'll repeat myself here again, but you know, on the West podcast, I said that you know somebody told AP and I when we were down in Orlando that they thought Darnell had uh, as high of NFL potential as any player on the field, regardless of position. Wow. So I think that, I think that just kind of speaks to um, you know wow. his uh, his upside. Wanye was interesting because Wanye you know had an up and down senior season. Part of that, you know, I think AP and I both agree. With this, part of that is a little bit on on overexposure, you know. If Darnell was playing on a bunch of national TV games, like one, yeah, um, would he be, you know, what the way you see this yo-yoing happening with rankings? And you guys now have followed it close enough to kind of, you know, you can kind of read between the lines the way this stuff works. Um, and we have no, we have nothing to do with it. So you know, people get mad at us, and it's like this is not. You know, I'm not out here saying Darnell should or should not be, you know, the number one player in the country, or Wanye should or should not be a five star. Um, my opinion is not taken into consideration, uh, you know, in, in those rankings. So I thought we Wanya, just want to know
3: what it is, though.
6: <laughs> no, I, I I I got you, I got you. I mean, I thought Wanye, you know, was solid. I think it was interesting that he had his most successful um, snaps at at, at guard. Um, which kind of is an interesting dilemma for Tennessee considering the, the, what's going on with Trey Smith, you know, drew, um, right mm. now though. I mean, if I was, you know, if I was a betting man, you know, I, I would bet pretty highly that if Tennessee lands Darnell, Wright, both he and Juannie Morton or Juan Morris are starting in 2019. Um, mm. and, and I'll say this, I'm not sure that's probably the best thing for those mm. kids. Uh, yeah. Ba- based on kind of where they both are, both physically and, and in the developmental stages, but it may but it may be, the, you know, w- what has to happen. So, you know, whether Wanya or Darnell, one of those two guys may fit in better uh, inside versus outside. Obviously, Darnell looks really good at right tackle. Um, you know, some of this is going to be determined, too, guys, by, by what happens with kind of the gains by guys on Tennessee's current team. How much weight can Jameer Johnson gain? If Jameer Johnson can gain 15, 15 pounds this offseason, d- do not be surprised at all if he gets bumped out to tackle and then maybe one of these freshmen, you know, is afforded similar to Trey Smith, uh, you know, the the luxury, so to speak, to kind of be able to, to slide inside to start their career. Um, Brandon Kennedy is going to be penciled in at center. You know, I think Ryan Johnson stays there. Uh, you know, I think he's, he, he's going to have an uphill battle to hold on to that spot. I, I would say Kennedy – um is going to be the center there so then if you're thinking that these two freshmen start then it's kind of the best next player and it kind of depends on um you know who fits best where whether it's uh, a, a guy at right or left tackle or, or a guy inside a guard
2: oh very cool uh very cool stuff and again we're we're here with jesse simonton from the Volquest staff so super excited today um I'm going to go to Powell. Powell, do you have a question uh, for Jesse?
1: Yeah, actually, I've got, got uh, two questions. Um, when you're talking about, the, about about rivals, and I know, you, you know maybe you talk to um, the rivals guys who do the evaluating and stuff. Just out of curiosity, when they evaluate a high school player, are they looking at who they are like at that particular time, or are they looking at their seedling down the road?
6: uh honestly i mean based on my conversations i believe it's where they're at now okay but um i think i mean i do think the the idea for all these whether it's rivals 247 whatever espn the idea is that if you grade them a five star you think that they're an eventual eventual first round draft pick that's kind of been a, a, a common correlation um in the last several years. But based on my understanding, I do believe it's in the now. Okay. Um, one other correct question on um, on linebackers. Um
1: Chris Russell is um is if we how first of all, how hard are we pushing for him? And is very he very hard. Okay. Is he an immediate impact player or is he a guy that we look at and we're thinking, okay, maybe not next year, but maybe his sophomore year we start working him in. You know, in his junior year he's starting. Is he look at like that, or is, do we think he can play next year?
6: I would le- I would lean towards the uh, the latter. I think ten- okay. Tennessee loves his measurables. They thought that he had better, as good or better measurables. Uh, well, they they, they they thought he had absolutely better measurables than Lakia Henry. I mean, we've been saying AP and I've been saying for a while, you know, teasing so to speak that that, that Tennessee was very unlikely to end up with the Kia. Um, Tennessee thinks he th- thinks that Chris Russell has better measurables uh, than Henry Tojo. Now they still want both those guys just because they want to continue to you know infuse the linebacker room with more talent. Um, but I the the Vols have the Vols have high hopes for for Chris, and and they're going to have to you know. I think they do have kind of the inside track there, uh, but this is not a kid that grew up. Even though he's a Tennessee kid, he's not a kid that grew up a big Tennessee fan. It's not like he has a lot of ties here, so they're gonna have to they're gonna have to fight till the end for him. Texas A and M, Auburn, they're not going away. Octavius Brothers, uh, I've written, I wrote about him uh, six weeks, eight weeks ago or so. He, I think he's a little bit of a backup option for Tennessee, but depending on what happens with him, Auburn. Miami others you could kind of the, the dominoes are kind of kind of uh play themselves out that 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 Russell is going to continue to ascend to be kind of this you know very highly contested target uh for a number of s e c schools good deal
2: very cool no good good stuff pal um just quickly on recruiting, we got some people jesse on the board asking some questions so uh big vol AL ninety actually asked what with, rec- with regards to recruiting. I think right now we're, we're what sixteen or something in the in the country on rivals uh, team rankings. Um I might be wrong. I know it was twelve, thirteen, and it's kind of moving up and down uh since the all American games. Where do you think you know we finish from a rankings number and if we could you know, there are two or three guys outside of a Darnell right um that you think the Tennessee's gonna land?
6: Well, I mean I, I took a lot of heat. I, I would say probably course probably about six months ago when you know Tennessee kind of had that flurry of guys jumping the boat uh in around May June that I that I thought Tennessee's class would finish between I think I put 11 to 15 I think I put that on the board I put it in like a chat Mm -hmm. I put it somewhere else uh and a lot of folks were like how are they not going to finish in the top 10 and I think uh you know I don't pay a ton of attention to the rankings but the way these things work I mean a lot. It's it's easy to look at only your team and then not consider what, you know, Alabama or Auburn or Clemson or whoever is also going to add, which then kind of you know manipulate the ranking, so to speak. I still think Tennessee is ultimately going to end up and you know kind of end up in that in that range. Um, outside of outside of Darnell Wright, I think Tennessee is going to take a huge swing at George Pickens. We we just talked about Chris Russell. Um, and then it's kind of it's going to be interesting to see what, what Tennessee does at, at at kind of that that last spot. Do you know? Do they fight for a guy like Ladarius Cox who's going to take an ov here next weekend, um, or do they decide you know because of Aubrey Solomon, we think we're all right there defensive line. Let's go for best player available. Let's go for a defensive back. And is that you know Jamie Robinson? Is that Travis J? Is that a name? you know, that hadn't popped up yet. So we'll kind of see. January January is going to be interesting because, I think, you know, I think early in the month you're going to maybe see uh, the way kind of some some dominoes fall depending on how visits do or do not happen.
2: Very cool. Good question. Again, we got a couple more from the board. I'm just kind of trying to do lightning round right here to get these in. VFL 84 um, says, you know, percentage. What percentage likely do you think uh, T. Martin's a part of the staff?
6: Well, I'm gonna stick with with my with my brand as the Gator Dog, and I don't do percentages. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, look, I'll say this about tea. You know, um, with the and I guess I'll just. I'm sure there's other OC questions, so I'll just you know go ahead and say this this part just to kind of uh, get this out. You know, I mean, Hubs joked about 40 days and 40 nights or whatever. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Moses certainly, you know, found the Ten Commandments faster than Pruitts found in OC. But that that that, that doesn't necessarily mean he's won. I don't think that means that Jeremy's wandering in the wilderness. I I, I do. You know, talking to, talking to various folks. He 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 wanted Mike Yursich, or or I think there was those in Tennessee's building that wanted Mike Yursich, um, and that didn't happen. And, and so that you know they kind of have pivoted. And so you that's why you've seen the Jim Chamey rumors. That's why you've seen Sarkeesian's name uh, kind of pop up once again. And T, I think, is an interesting deal because, you know, we reported that in the war room the other night that Tennessee was talking to him. I, I do mm-hmm. think that, that Tennessee continues to have these conversations with T. T makes sense from this perspective. Jeremy Pruitt believes that Tennessee's fastest, you know, avenue back – you know quote unquote um is to recruit better players and and so t can help you do that and and you know while t I do think that there are some questions about t's ability to be an offensive coordinator, a play caller, what have you, I don't see that being um the position that Tennessee would necessarily interview t for or is looking at t at um so uh you know if you if there's a chance to maybe upgrade elsewhere. Um, I think T becomes, you know, potential attractive option. It's certainly interesting that T has, has said very little about Tennessee publicly, um, if at all. And then, you know, recently once his name has suddenly kind of come back in the forefront, he's retweeting something about the 98 balls. Um, You know, I I think we'll see what happens. He obviously has ties to Sarkeesian because of their, their time at uh, USC together, you know, it, there's been questions on the board about other movement with Tennessee staff. We we shall see. It, it, there there are certainly things in play. I think Tennessee has some guys um, that are maybe weighing some some options elsewhere as well. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, and I you know don't know if you saw it, Dustin or not, but I made a a thread. Do not bring T home because uh, I necessarily don't want him as the a- <laughs> OC. Um, if you know if if he can come back and maybe be- I do
6: not see I do not see T. Martin being the offensive coordinator at Tennessee. Okay, so there, I'll say that
2: there we go, folks. There's the
6: nine ninety nine.
2: Right there, there, you go. For you. We don't have a nine ninety five, so that's the best I've got. Is Triple H saying nine ninety? That's the
6: extra four cents. It's free.
2: Exactly. See, <laughs> nice. um, so just yes or no? Do you think Jim Chaney is a high end? Uh, and this is a question. Another question from the from the board. Um, do you think that and that uh, Jim Chaney is a high-end OC hire if they were to bring him over?
6: <laughs> I, I think Jim is a really good play caller. I do. I mean, I, I think that that's been, that's been proven out. I think the question. Uh, th- th- I think the, there's a couple, and I posted this on the board, and folks were freaking out. And again, the reading comprehension uh, sometimes <laughs> a little bit tough. Uh, but you know, it, a it's going to cost for Jim and you know what is Tennessee willing to pay people are like oh they paid 1.2 million for Tyson Helton I understand that it's going to probably cost more than that if you want Jim Cheney. um okay. and, and and two secondly you're not getting Sam Pittman so folks thinking that this is going to be some sort of you know package deal um I, that 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 is certainly more of a pipe dream than a reality uh but three again I go back to kind of my pre, my previous comments about T um Jeremy is looking for uh, – and this staff is looking to kind of continue to boost its recruiting acumen. Um, and Jim is – again, I, I think Jim is a very good play caller. He obviously was successful here in the several years he was in uh, at, at Tennessee. He has a fondness for East Tennessee. Hubs and others, you know, who know Jim uh, far better than I do, um, have made it known, you know, and have put out there on the board and whatnot that, you know, he'd like to – you know, settle down here in East Tennessee. So there's certainly some avenues there. Um, but in terms of realistic options, right now, based on the intel we have, Sarkeesian, uh, I think, is is more realistic than Jim Cheney.
2: Uh-huh. there we go. Uh, we love that. Um, I put myself on my uh, New Year's thing. It was potentially Sark. So
0: if that hits. Pro. Hey, let me, let me, let me just ask a question. Is, <laughs> is there any sort of buyout involved in Cheney? See,
6: well, it. see that so 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 that's one of the most confu- that's one of the more confusing things. It's unclear, and I think even some Georgia guys have either done a poor job or they have kind of maybe obfuscated uh, the the reality of what what his contract is. Ch- apparently, Georgia handed out a bunch of contract extensions and raises a year ago, post yeah their Rose Bowl and mm-hmm. post year two. So Cheney, when he originally signed on, um, got a three-year deal. Which technically, if you're looking by that 2016 or 17, whenever they got, you know, when they came on 2016, I guess when when they signed that deal would expire, you know, around February, or whatever. But it's unclear, based on talking to some people, whether or not he actually got a raise and an extension a year ago, um, or just a raise. It certainly the way the way that Georgia and their, their their folks have kind of talked about it. It does seem like Cheney has a year left on his deal. Not that it's going to expire um, in a couple months, but I do not know. I mean, I don't know that you know. I don't have that locked down one hundred percent. I that that has not been something um, that that's been locked down. I do think you know if Tennessee wanted to go, if Tennessee absolutely wanted to get Jim Cheney, they'd be willing to pay whatever the five hundred K or whatever it is that buyout is.
5: Uh, Speaking to recruiting footprint and wanting to build the acumen of the recruiting staff, that's, I mean, can we just clone Brian Niedermeyer? You know, can we just get him and maybe another one just like him? I mean, that guy is swinging and seems like he's hitting on everything. Can you discuss a little bit about what you hear about him or if you've met, talked with him, just what his approach is? Because I, he is easily the most impressive recruiter on our staff.
6: Yeah, I mean the, th- the thing about Brian, I, I've I've said this before uh, on the board, on podcasts, even even on even on many many radio and and, and deals and such. I mean Brian's deal is that he's th- he's thirty years old, and so he kind of he, he's able to kind of balance that tightrope uh, of being a older brother to a lot of the players and being able to relate on you know a lot of the. The, the stuff that, whether it's social media stuff or just music, movies, what have you, um, but yet toe the line where he's also mature enough that he can kind of build the trust um, and kind of build those relationships with the parents. And that's important. And you, you, this is not, Tennessee did well and Tennessee has done well to land and, and kind of now have a guy like Brian Niedermeyer. But this is, this is a new trend that you're seeing everywhere in college football. The, the sport is getting younger um, and and more and more of these coaches uh, are like Niedermeyer where, where they're young they're you know in their late 20s early 30s and then you're seeing them kind of build themselves up and build that resume uh, I absolutely expect Brian to get a raise um, here at some point I mean Colorado abs- you know came for him and, and he, he kind of rebuffed those advances because uh, you know, he he feels comfortable here and feels like this is kind of the best path for him. But, you know, Tennessee do not be surprised when more and more, you know, programs kinda of swing for Brian because he's a young up and cover and right now, I mean, he's the lowest paid guy on Tennessee's staff. I would not expect that to continue. Um, but that's kind of the reality of where things stand, you know, as of January sixth. I find it
5: ironic that you mentioned that uh, Tennessee. That Tennessee has got a young guy, and football, just in general, is going that way. When UNC just hired a Septuagenarian to coach their entire program,
6: they did, they did. But and yet, you know, Mack I think has smartly surrounded himself by some guys that are kind of able to to sell a new age vision. You know, and and Tennessee. Um, you know, Tennessee has made no secrets that they want to, you know, make a hard play in North Carolina. Uh, and, and, you know, Mac has kind of flipped that, you know, on, on its head and saying, you know, I'll play the, you know, grandfather role, uh, the Pappy role, and you guys <laughs> can come in here and I'll look after you and I'll have my, you know, my, 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 little minions, you know, make sure you, you, you be what you want to be. So, well, we'll kind of see what wins out, but I, I, I it is a good point that, that North Carolina has kind of pivoted and, and turned that on its head. But, you know, every program is doing what's best for them, I guess.
2: Very cool. Uh, quick question. I, I know we got uh, Priest Ball. Uh, you got a question from Jesse?
4: Yeah. Hey, Jesse Priestman. man. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you, kind of ask you the question. You know, we saw the Jordan Allen story that came out about <laughs> what Mama told him to do, you know, as far as player movement, we know, of course, there's going to be some type of attrition. Is that, you know, based on what kind of what you're hearing and around the complex, is that, you know, focus, they're going to go through spring and then evaluate the future or, or will you, we see some more movement before to get some of these early enrollees and signing class done and get in the, get in the fold and, and the other guys that plan to move on and move on before spring?
6: Uh, I do think the, the majority of further attrition is going to happen post spring. Something I'm working on is looking at kind of the, the current uh, scholarship numbers, exactly how they, they, they stand to a T. Tennessee obviously is, is set to introduce um, or set to you know sign uh, a, a slew, close to a dozen early enrollees here before classes start. Um, but the likelihood is, and it, it makes sense from Tennessee's perspective, and, it, and honestly it makes sense from the players' perspective, uh, that if you haven't decided to move on at this point, go through spring practice, kind of reevaluate where you are then. Um, and then I think you're going to see a handful of guys that, that decide, Hey, you know, this isn't the best place for me.
2: Uh, cool. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how it's going to shape up. It definitely is a uh, pounding thrill, man. I um, you know you got a couple things for Jesse and you know, I, you know, I know we're kind of wrapping up here with Jesse um, so we'll bring it over to you, Pounding, and then I, if we got any more uh, questions from the group uh, before we let Jesse go.
0: Thank you, Jesse. I, I just kind of want to bring it back to recruiting just real quickly and ask kind of how many players are still out there on the board at this point, do you think? I mean, besides not counting Wright, who we feel pretty good about, but other than that, I mean, is it just Pickens, uh, the linebacker out of California, and, and Russell? And then who, who else are we missing, like – who are the, big the targets that we look forward to for signing? Christian back? Williams?
6: Yeah, I mean, Williams, I think Williams, you, you would say Williams is kind of in that second tier. Um, the, the guys you just named are the, are the top guys. And then it kind of comes down to, you know, what does Tennessee decide honestly to do uh, with that final spot? And so that's where you get the Jamie Robinsons in play. Tennessee's going to take. I mean, we we had a story. I mean, Tennessee's going to take a big swing at Travis J. They're going to host him on January nineteenth for an official visit. Um, you know, AP and I have said that that remains a tough uphill battle because the kid's mom uh, works right at, right in Tallahassee. But you know, Tennessee has the connection there with Charles Kelly. They're going to see what happens. Um, you know, they just offered the the the, the kid that. Um has offers from UFC, UC, uh, USC, excuse me, and, and Auburn and some others. So J, Jamal Hill, the, the, the safety. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I don't think they're going to go after a Shiloh Sanders. I think some of these other guys, you know, the wide receiver Dwayne Griffin, I, I don't right now, unlike a year ago see Tennessee kind of um, grabbing a late ad uh, at maybe you know taking a lower ranked prospect just to fill a, fill a spot. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think they may save a spot for a grad transfer this summer. So the names you mentioned plus some DBs and, and we'll see. I mean, again, the Jamal Hill kid was, was a guy that Tennessee just offered recently. So could Tennessee, you know, reoff extend a scholarship to somebody else here soon.
2: Uh, We'll find out. Awesome. Anybody else uh, have anything for Jesse, um, one last thing just on recruiting
5: real quick, uh, Jesse, with Henry T um, and obviously the other Henry Lakia, um, we need we need some speed and things going up and depth at linebacker. Uh, having Q there is great. I think he and JJ Peterson are going to push each other. Having Henry T could come in would be awesome. Talk about the reason why Lakia uh, decommit. I'm guessing it's over. Either grades or we really didn't push for him, and what our chances are with
6: uh, with Henry T. Um, well, on the key I mean, I think it's a twofold deal. Part of it is size. I think he is, you know, he was always a little bit smaller than, than what Pruitt wanted there. Um, and then there is some, there is some, some potential academic concerns about. Uh, kind of some final hurdles in terms of getting into SEC. I would not be surprised if he doesn't in the, end up in the SEC and, and goes uh, to a Florida State or or somewhere like that. For Henry T, I mean, it. You know, Tennessee's going to get him on campus. Now the question is, you know, can they kind of right now they're they're, they're chasing Alabama. Can they leapfrog them enough uh, this coming weekend when Henry's when Henry's on campus for the second time to to, to make a real move. I don't know. I mean, you know, Niedermeyer, uh, Kevin Simon, you know, uh, Kevin Scher, they've all been hard there. Uh, But if if Tosh Tosh is going to stay at Alabama and and Tosh, you know, has had some options to potentially leave, that could throw a wrench and that could be, you know, people talked a lot about Alabama's numbers. That, to me, talking to folks, that's not going to be a factor. I think if Tosh leaves, that's Tennessee's in there. Um, with Henry T. Because Tosh played at De La Salle, Tosh has those ties there. Um, so you know, keep an eye on that. What happens with LaPio I think, is going to be more of uh, a factor in, in where Henry goes versus you know Bogle or or whoever else ultimately committing to Alabama in terms of taking some spot. Henry has a spot with Alabama. Henry has a spot with Tennessee. Um, it's going to be a dogfight right now. I get the advantage. Goes to the tide.
2: It, it sounds like maybe you have the 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 uh, story written, the second place story written already. But uh, oh man, just speculating, <laughs> just speculating there. Um, no, really, really good stuff, Jesse. Um, and kind of round this up. I know bleed orange. I think you had one last question, maybe non-recruiting uh, related. Is that correct around the OC search? Yeah. about
6: entitlement.
3: <laughs> yeah, can you speak? To the, I don't know the board. <laughs> there you go. No, I, I pre. I mean, Jesse, I appreciate when you're saying about somebody being rebuffed and the buffaloes. Uh, you know, the play on words there was awesome. You know, talking about obfuscating a situation. I know that you believe the board to be a little bit a touch on the obtuse side, but <laughs> um, I touch <laughs> the, the man just can't help himself, but. Uh, Two questions. One is, it seems to me that with the OC search, that everybody kind of really had a strong sense that Yursich was the guy. And the impression that I have, and I think other people may have, is that they weren't really quite prepared for that not to work out and have a second uh, guy right on the line that they're going to go to. And that's kind of what's delayed all of this. Uh, So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, what is your favorite sport?
6: Um, the, I mean, on, on the OC deal, uh, I mean, I, I, the, 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 you know, it, it's a complicated, I will say this, it's a complicated situation because, you know, depending on who you talk to says that, you know, this guy was the top candidate, this guy, you know, what have you, Tennessee obviously had strong conversations with Hugh Freeze and, mm. and, you know, that fell through. Um, then obviously they, you know, Jeremy interviewed, uh, Kendall Bryles, talked to Jeff Levy. Uh, neither of those went, uh, where Tennessee wanted them to go. And I, and from talking to multiple folks, you know, inside the building that, that was from Tennessee, not from those folks, you know, if Tennessee Mm -hmm. wanted Kendall Bryles, they could have had Kendall Bryles, Mm -hmm. uh, or they could have offered the job to Kendall Bryles, I should say. Uh, but, but that didn't happen. I do think there was, you know, um, some mutual some, – some some real mutual interest from Tennessee and Yurcich, but that didn't happen. And, and so okay. Tennessee is now once again, you know, looking around. And that's why, you know, when the Yurcich stuff started to kind of – there was the feeling, oh, it hadn't happened yet. You know, Austin and I, we both, I think it was about two weeks ago, kind of put that like, if it's not going to happen here, it's not going to happen, and then it didn't right. happen. And then suddenly you saw Neil Brown's name pop up and you saw some other guy. you know, uh, some, some, some other names kind of ascend. That's when I think Cheney's name uh, kind of first started to circulate, you know, Tennessee started Jeremy and Jeremy and Tennessee started to talk to other folks. And, and that's honestly what continues to happen right now. If Jeremy and, and, and the staff don't feel like they need an urgency uh, to, to hire someone because it's not going to affect recruiting. And right now that seems to be um, their opinion, uh, then this is going to continue to kind of drag on. Now, if they think that we really need to have someone um, before the dead period, which in my opinion that would obviously be the smart play, uh, specifically for 2020. Kinda, when, when you go out there with a vision for, for what you want to sell, uh, this is going to happen, you know, within the next week. So we'll see. In terms of favorite sport, uh, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, a, a ride or die. Uh, Braves fan. I've I've been to a ton of games. Um, You know, I I know baseball's dying uh, in terms of the young people. I love college football. I love the NFL. Uh, But but since the Braves are are my team, um, I'll go with baseball.
5: All right, man. Anytime you uh, ever want to come down to uh, come down to Atlanta and go to a game, let me and GT know. GT doesn't live far from the stadium, and. I'm no more than forty-five minutes away. We'd be happy to catch one, will you?
6: Absolutely. Sun SunTrust is a nice, nice little park. Good, yeah, plenty it is. Of good, plenty of good beer spots. You can go hit up Terrapin. You
2: know. Oh, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Terrapin fan. You yeah, got, absolutely. You got, yeah, you got me going with that one. So uh, anytime anybody wants to do some Terrapin, we got some good breweries here in Atlanta. So yeah, that that invitation is is always open. Anytime you're you're down here in Atlanta, feel free, especially for a Braves game. Uh, we'd love to have you. Um, Absolutely. my, my only, it. my last question, I know we, we've gone a little bit over with you, Jesse. Uh, it's just kind of a silly one, but when you have to travel with Austin, um, there's been rumors on the board that, um, one, you guys have to stay in the same room, which maybe, you know, it is what it is. I've had to do it with my job or we have to room with somebody. Does he wear the onesie pajamas? I've been hearing that.
6: <laughs> that you know, I can't speak to the onesie pajamas, but I have. Said and I and I and I posted this. Austin's uh, palate and appetite, specifically for a road partner, is is quite disappointing. I mean, the man <laughs> won't eat Mexican food. He hurt my I heart mean, by not
4: eating Mexican food the other day. I mean, the man is
6: a, he he was, Austin was born to be born in like the seventeen hundreds, where all they ate was steak and potatoes. <laughs> because <laughs> that man. If that man sees a sees a tartar, he's about ready to go throw up.
2: So. <laughs> no high end cuisine for him. Nothing high end, huh? Oh, that's funny. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: that's funny. No, it's it's all good. And you know, figure we'd end it with a little little humor there. But Jetsy man, um, you know, don't worry about the haters on the board. That's a very small percentage. We uh we really love having you on here and you you bring um, a freshness to the board and to the staff and, and what you do. So we appreciate all the work that you do for for Volquest and the board. You make it really fun for us, and especially for for joining the podcast tonight. So, I am, Absolutely. I
6: appreciate it. Y'all you, you know I never do, man. This, 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 man, this, this the stuff. Pod- the stuff doesn't phase me. If I clap back, it, it's all in good fun, and it's just to make my own self laugh. So.
5: Uh, the PodQuest <laughs> is behind you, man. We laugh at the stuff that you stir up. I mean, when the board goes in fuego, we we try to fan it a little bit for you.
4: <laughs> oh, hey,
6: man. Hey, man. It's, I'm a, it, it, I pass the hot sauce. I'm all about the spice. That's... Amen to that. <laughs> That's
4: awesome.
2: Cool. Thanks, Jesse, for being on, man.
6: Thanks, man. All
2: right, Appreciate you, it, bro.
4: Thanks,
6: Jesse.
2: Go balls. All righty. So that was Jesse Simonton from the VolQuest staff. Um, you know, again, we always allocate a certain amount of time here, but we've you know got a bunch of talkers, right? So we went a little bit overboard there, but really good information from the OC search to recruiting, uh, to some of the player management stuff with Pruitt, and, and just some insider info. So that's definitely worth the nine ninety five nine ninety nine. So um, again, four cents <laughs> that's being free—that's the best I got for nine ninety five. Um, but. Uh, so what else guys, what what else do we want to talk about? You know, we, you know, we can talk about that beat down we put on Georgia. Oh my goodness gracious. It was, uh, that was glorious. I haven't seen a, what is the saying? Uh, bleed orange. I hadn't seen a beating like that since uh, my mama put bananas in my pants and set a monkey loose. Turn the monkey loose. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like I just sounds like what? a
5: good time on a Saturday night.
3: <laughs> I'm telling you what I've got. I bought myself a, a bright bright orange uh, sweatshirt uh, last time I was up there in Knoxville, and I was wearing that big time today down, down awesome. here at Lake Oconee. It was fun.
2: Oh my gosh! And not only does Tom Crean look like my um, old varsity basketball coach, um, but goodness gracious, he was so triggered after that game and he
5: was acting like a petulant three year old. Gosh, yes. Like,
2: Man, it feels good to have these, and these guys are not all five star guys, right? What do you, I mean, pounding? What do you think, man? The, you know, they've got a group that's that's gelled, that's playing together, that's playing hard, and they're motivated. I mean, is anybody getting yeah. in their way?
0: I mean, no, I I don't watch as much <laughs> basketball as, as I think some of y'all do, but I, they're fun to watch. I, I do I do find myself watching almost all of their games now, just because it's just. It's just a fun thing to watch, man. I, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about this year. I, I think I think they're going to do well in the tournament. They're mature. They're athletic. They they've got everything. It's a it's a good time to be a Tennessee basketball fan.
2: Oh my hey, god! Man, I,
0: I find myself refreshing,
2: trying to look at the schedule, and hoping for the next game, and and you know, looking for it. What were you going to say, Powell? You got something, brother?
1: Well, I, I was just going to say that it's just when you think you've seen like the best out of them. Then they show up and they do something like that, and you're just it's you know the, you just wonder how high the ceiling is for them to you know just right. just to, to, to play as good as they can, and you know we and it's it's a lot of coach. speak. you, you wonder with you know Barnes talks about we could do this better, we could do that better, and and stuff. But how much better can they be? I mean, I've never seen, and I've been watching basketball a long time. I have never seen a game go that way like that fast. Yeah. Um, I think I saw, I think I saw stat where I think 13 minutes left in the game in the first half, the score was 12 to 13, I think, or something like that. We were up where ahead by one, and then we closed out in the first half, 41 to 13. Wow. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean that's just that is, I mean that's that's hard to do. Even on your best night, that's hard to do.
2: Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, you look at just the efficiency, I would say that they, you know, they weren't on fire. I mean, we're looking at three pointer six of eighteen, right? Thirty-three percent from three. Um, you know, they shot free throws well, field goal percentage, you know, decent, fifty-three percent. But goodness, like when you watch the crispness of the execution, that's how you have five, you know, five players with double figures. I mean, Jordan Bone has freaking right. twenty points, for goodness sake. Um, I, you know, even like seeing the screens, like the down screens and the curls and the cuts and the back cuts and the passing there, there's a crispness to this offense that, um, you know, is making these guys, it's, you don't know who, who to guard. And then you look at like Georgia trying to run their offense and they're hoping that one tall guy that looks like Chris Bosh makes a jump shot, you know, as the the clock expires, you know? So what, Priest, what did you think, man? I mean, you're a basketball guy. Do you see anything kind of off the charts? Uh that stood out to you uh,
4: from the Vols? Just they're just damn good all around. <laughs> yep. I mean, I yep. I tried to look through the game and the box score, and I watched the game and, and going through it, and I was looking at it through the box score. You know, like you said, fifty three percent. That's not. I mean, that's not. You know, right. Monstar good, but they still shot thirty three percent from three point, which is pretty good for that team because without a true three point shooter, I mean. They're, I mean, our guys can hit them when they're open, but we don't have like a go-to three other than Lamonte, who's still working his way back in. Uh, look at
3: Schofield.
4: Well, I'll give Schofield – okay, let me say this. A pure guard three-point shooter. How about that? A <laughs>
3: Um
4: And then, you know, 84% from the line was is what I pulled out of that game is actually they, they shot a little bit better than they had from the free throw line. So, but, I mean, just all around, the defense, you could tell after the first – Five, six minutes into the game, you knew it was over. Like there was no – even even in the second half, no matter how Georgia came out, they weren't going to do anything to that defense or try to do anything to slow the offense down. They couldn't guard anybody on the Georgia side. And then on, on the other side of the court, it just – every time it was a contested shot, every time the pass could have been basically picked off and, and knocked out of the, the defender's hands – It just, this is an exciting, fun team to watch. And and I hope Tennessee fans see that, that this, you don't get this very often. Um, You know, this, this is a, this is going to be a fun year and, and, you know, I'm going to enjoy it and I hope everybody else does as well.
2: Yeah. And I I was a little disappointed. Fulkerson didn't didn't get a lot of burn. I I know Derek Walker had a pretty decent game, so maybe they're kind of, you know, you can interchange those guys, but, um, I will, you know, I'm, I'm the big Kyle Anderson or excuse me, Kyle Alexander hater or whatever, but you know, he obviously had a pretty solid game and I've got to give it to the guy. That's a silky smooth turnaround that he's got in the middle of the lane. I mean, it's,
4: that's one crazy. of the most
2: confident shots somebody takes on that Tennessee
4: team. That's, that's NBA level Georgia Tech, you know,
2: <laughs> hey, <yeah.
3: laughs>
2: It's at least he he might get to a mini camp if he keeps shooting like that and rebounding and defending. You know he did have one block which is good. That was a beautiful block. Um, Fourteen rebounds. You love to see that, and you know you yes. see like a, a Grant Williams start to kind of creep up there in in rebounds as well. But uh, you know if this team can, I think boost their production on the boards a little bit, it's going to be. Uh, you know when Powell, I know you're saying like how much better can it get? if they want to be super elite defensively you know no second chance points get some rebounds um and maybe i mean they did have seven blocks in the game so that's that's pretty good and you know I'm looking at ponds as well he had a couple blocks he didn't score or do anything really, but he's a defensive you know presence out there too bleed orange what do you think I mean you got to watch the beat down I was gonna ask you more specifically did you get a chance to see when Turner came into the game
3: no unfortunately uh I was doing that project that I uh, sent you the message on. <laughs> oh, no. and
2: uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I don't know if you saw the quotes that he said, but they gave him a standing ovation when he came in. I mean, it was yeah. a monstrous standing ovation.
3: I, I was recording it. I get did get to rewatch it, um, yeah. and I thought that was awesome uh, when Lamont came in. The fans recognized that, and I'm sure it, uh, obviously uh, in, in the comments after the game it meant a lot not only, I'm sure, to Lamont Turner, but it did to the players as well. Um, The thing that I think is so cool is our kids were playing in a sold-out stadium. Um, They're playing their hearts out in a 46-point beatdown, and they're not letting off the steam. And I couldn't help but think uh, to look at them and think, you know, I feel like I'm looking at the basketball version of Alabama football um yes Georgia, Georgia. was talking about being physical coming into this game and everything else and how um they were they weren't going to back down to tennessee and uh i think rob made a comment in one of his articles it was the first time in a while that he's seen the team look like he just quit and there was nothing they didn't have an answer for anything that the vols were doing so the big difference though between what we are seeing with this Tennessee basketball team versus Alabama football. We're still early in the process, but obviously Rick Barnes has established his culture, but he's not doing it with five-star kids. He's doing it with outstanding young men with great character who he's been able to coach up. They're willing and able to take coaching and my Gosh, this is incredible seeing the way he has developed these kids. And a lot of that credit needs to fall on the shoulders of the kids themselves who are showing what not only just a coach-led, but a player-led team can accomplish.
2: That sounds like a very butch. I hate to bring butch in here, but that sounds a (laughs) very butch uh, quote there. (laughs) Player-led. you know. Um, I cringe every time I hear that. But I I agree, though, Bleed Orange. I 100% agree. You have to. You're my son. That's true. Um, (laughs) And uh, it's one of these things, though. And I think Powell, you were talking about earlier. It's like we knew they were going to be good, but this good. You're just crushing the soul of a team with you know in the within the first half. I mean, everybody knew it was over, and it was like I kept. I just. I was sitting back. I had my feet up on the table, you know, having a little beer, and I'm like, Can they get it to thirty? okay, can they get it to 40? And it was just with ease. And it wasn't like, again, they're not going down and chucking up threes and all this stuff. It, they were very routine plays, but it's like, can they get to 40? Can they get to 50? It's <laughs> unbelievable, and it's just laughable what was happening in that game. They just were so efficient. And it's like, you know, Powell, do you see it? Or, or PTC, you know, any of you guys, I mean, look at the schedule, obviously we got a big game coming up at Missouri, and then you got at Florida, which they lost. To a five and seven South
4: Carolina,
2: <laughs> how do you see and that was
4: fun to watch?
2: Yeah, how do you see these next you know few games? Let's just even take the next couple of games: Missouri and Florida. I mean,
4: the only any- one
5: there that worries me is uh, Missouri, simply because it's Quanzo, and you know <laughs> you know what you know what you're going to get with Quanzo in the tournament, but you never really know what you're going to get with Quanzo in. That's a good point. The uh, in in. in the regular season. So as long as we can play disciplined and play the kind of defense we need to play, I don't think that they can hang with us. Our offense though, our offensive numbers. And I think Rob posted it and I think it's moved up to something like in the top 10 in the nation and our defense has actually fallen off from last year, but we're still a great defensive team. So yeah. if we can play just to our ability, I don't see anybody in the SEC, um, even Auburn and even Kentucky. I don't see them being able to beat beat us, especially with I think it's Azubuki is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Kentucky center yeah. is out.
2: Um,
5: I don't. I just don't see us losing.
2: Well, um, yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It, are, does Missouri even have the the players to match up with like a? Williams or a Schofield? Do they have some bruisers and bangers down there? I, mean, I know that's Kwanzaa's You know, play style is slow the pace of the game down and make it a forty-five to twenty-three or you know forty-five to forty game. You know, it's just it's just the fact that it's Missouri, man. It doesn't matter. You know, well, we take know. for
5: instance. You know, take for instance any other inexplicable loss. It just happens to be that team. Yeah, um, and that's who Missouri is for us in basketball right now. And I think we can really get over the uh, get over the hump by playing how we're supposed to. If we can if we can have a game like we played against Georgia, where we just dominated all over the place. And I'm not saying that we run them off, run them out of the gym. But if we can have that style of play against Missouri, I don't see them getting within 15, 20 points once the buzzer mm-hmm. sounds. Missouri took
1: a big hit before the season even got started when they lost Porter. Right. And he was. Yeah. Their, he was. Their, right. He was their best. He was their best player, and he, he's a huge difference maker for them, or for any team, for that matter. And you know, without him, I mean, they're maybe average, but I agree with what you're saying about it. That game just doesn't. When when Conzo was here, there was you know we all seen how 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 everything always played out but w- there was always a couple games a year when we played lights out and i just i don't know i just have that sort of the same feeling that you were talking about with going there you just hope they don't have that game where they play lights out
3: yep hey guys let me just jump in this bleed orange 23 i gotta jump off and um Love see, hearing from you guys and uh, spending this time with you again here on Sunday evening. And I got an early drive into Atlanta tomorrow. So uh, you guys have a great rest of the night and go Big Orange.
2: Have a All good
3: right. night. Thanks,
2: have a good night, bleed Orange. Have uh, a good night. Uh, so yeah, we're, you know, kind of looking at the schedule priest. I mean, one thing I do, last thing about Missouri, do you think there's anything to it with Rob, what Rob was talking about, the scheduling? You know, they've got a, turn around and something's happening on they got to drive, go up for a tuesday game i guess and then did do you know what i'm talking about when rob was posting kind yeah. of talking about the scheduling what was that yeah. all about
4: yeah so i think it basically was the gist of it was that missouri d- didn't start sec play the same time everyone else did and tennessee had to play their game against georgia turn around go home spend a day turn around and come back all the way to missouri on a road game I mean, I would be a little more worried about it if it was later in the season. Um, I don't – you know, I think these guys still have semi-fresh legs. They are playing a bunch of minutes. But I think blowing out Georgia and getting a little bit of a, you know, half a game rest there, it it's not as bad of a situation as it could have been. Now, if Georgia took you to the wire and you went and played in overtime, I would be a little bit worried about it. But I, I do think it is kind of um, – I won't say shady, but I will say that it's um, not a very uh, – smart scheduling move by the SEC for some reason by putting your best team through that type of travel day where you have your your players flying that much and and going in between, especially with classes starting, coming up um, for the, the, you know, second part of the semester. So, I mean, yeah, I think – I don't know if it's that big of an impact, um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, like what PTC and both Powell mentioned, that Missouri, it just – no matter what it is, it's some sometimes they just show up for some reason and shoot shoot lights out and, and jump out, you know, jump through the roof of the arena to go and, and rebound everything. So we'll see. Um if they look you know, if they look jet lagged or they look tired, then we can blame it on that and call it a day and we can yell at the SEC. Good, good. We want a, an escape goat,
2: right? <laughs> exactly. Just in case we want a built in escape goat. Um no, I think this, you know, outside of this, I you know, I think the schedule, again, I, I I think I might have said if we get past Memphis, we're going to, you know, run the table, you know, until we hit West Virginia. And that's a whole nother story on this 10-game run. Do you guys, anybody in the group, think we lose any of these games? Missouri, Florida, Arkansas, Alabama at Vandy? Or, you know, do we have a risk of one or two? Or do you guys think we just keep playing solid and, and knock this, these next, you know, five games out?
5: It's going to uh, – this this run is really going to test the mental toughness and stamina of our team. Um, it, I mean, Florida is good, um, but they just had an absolutely horrid loss to South Carolina. I mean, it was uh, really, really bad. Um, Not
4: only was it bad, they, the way they lost at the end just made it even yeah. more enjoyable.
5: That was embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah. um, you know, I think the only one that really kind of worries me is the Kwanzo game. Um, I don't think Arkansas is worth worrying about. Uh, Alabama oh, God, did they lose? Did they lose to Georgia State? Um, yes. So, you know, and they be, and they ended up beating Georgia. So, I mean, Georgia is probably are they, are they are they worse than Ole Miss? Probably. But they're probably, I guarantee you, they'll finish last or next to last in the SEC. So we're kind of playing some bottom feeders here, uh, except for maybe, except for Florida. The only game that worries me is the Kwanzo game. And then you've got Vandy. Um, Didn't Vandy lose one of their starting, excuse me, one of their starting guards, one of their best players at the beginning of the season? Yeah. So you know where does that? Put yeah, Vandy lost. That... They're
2: five star. One of their five star studs, I think. Yeah, um, and they lost so this it, weekend too. It,
5: it it looks like everything is uh, really setting up nicely for us in that in that way, and getting Turner back is huge. Uh, I think that we just have. I think we have too much for this stretch for them to really be coming out of this with.
2: Yeah.
5: You know more than one loss, really.
2: Yeah, it's going to be – It's. I mean, again, it's It's so refreshing and fun to be following this after all the stuff that we've gone through with the football team, right, to have some stability in basketball and just this team peaking, hopefully not at the wrong time. Um, but I think that they're going to be so focused and motivated to, to make a Final Four run this year. It's just the writing <laughs> is on the wall. I mean, they're, they're a, a very, very good team. And question for you, Priest um, – Jordan Bowden, I think, past few games, especially in that Gonzaga game when he made some really big threes, um, I think starting to come along. Obviously, coming off the bench now has been just a very smart move by Barnes to get him going. Who do you think is bigger for Tennessee's run in March? Is it, you know, or even SEC tournament and, you know, uh, you know March Madness, you know, NCAA tournament? Is it a Jordan Bowden or an Eve uh, Pons? Who do you think is more critical right now to this team uh, to get them over the hump? I mean, obviously we'd love to, you know, both of them be playing amazing, but who would you rather have?
4: Yeah. I'm going to make it even a bigger of a cluster mess and throw Lamonte Turner in there. If we're talking longevity and long run to get through the sec tournament, Um, you know, I think Bowden, you know, he's matured. I think that's the biggest thing for him. The kid can always shoot. He plays good defense. I think he just needed to get his mind right. And, Coach Rick Barnes figured out a way to make that happen. And I think he's really locked into his game and he knows how to play it and where to be and how to run in this offense and score and, and take the right shot. So, you know, he, he's a, a vital key to it. But, you know, Pons, Pons is a different type of athlete that can guard every position on the floor, shoot from every spot of the floor. And when he's on, you can see the talent. So if if we're breaking it off between those two right now, and and you know Lamonte stays healthy, I think Lamonte a good piece that helps from just a you know depth standpoint and and a good shooter to have on the court when you need a a cutthroat three shot at the end. I, I'll lean Ponds just from a, a size and, and defensive standpoint, but Bowden coming off the bench is is tough to overlook.
2: Yeah, certainly and. and... You know, a lot of us were just asking for Bowden to take some dang shots. <laughs> oh yes. A few games yes. ago, even right? It's like, gosh, take some shots, you know, like you're wide open. And I really, you know, do point back at that Gonzaga game, the timeliness of those threes that he made when we were down. He made some clutch threes. And I, I felt like that was kind of his coming out party. And now he's, you know, a vital role. And I just hope, not saying it's going to happen, but my hope is that it's not a, um, kind of an inverse thing, if that's the right word or not. But um, if Lamonte Turner comes back and is starting to score, you know, 10, 12 points here and there, that Bowden doesn't bow out and score two points, right? I, I'm hoping that there's some balance there where both of those guys can be on the floor and and, sco- and have a scoring punch. If you've got a Schofield in foul trouble or a Grant Williams in foul trouble, or maybe even both of them just resting, right? And you've got some, you know, Fulkerson and Pons and, you know, you know, Bowden and, and, uh, and Turner and maybe somebody else out there, right. That those guys can, you know, lead the team scoring, you know, when the other guys are maybe resting or something. So I just hope that, you know, they can continue to gel that second group and, you know, kind of spread the the wealth around. So that it's exciting though. Very exciting. Sorry for that diatribe there. Goodness. I just realized how long I was going on for there. So someone tell me to shut up, but uh, anything, shut up. there we go. Thank you. I need a shut up button, right? Um, anything else, guys, on on the basketballs? Do we want to, um, I, I, you know,
5: Powell's got something to add.
2: Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I got.
5: Yeah, I was going to um,
1: something. I was trying to pay attention to, and maybe Priest um, can uh, clarify this. When 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 Bone went out of the game, and Turner and Bowden both was in the game. Was Turner playing point?
4: Uh, okay, you're making me think now. Um, I uh, think they rotated. Like- I don't. I think they both brought the ball up, but I think Bowden was playing point, and they had okay. Lamonte out as just a shooting guard as the two. Okay. I, I believe I'd have to go back and verify that though.
1: Okay, I remember one time looking up and Turner was bringing the ball up, and I knew Bowden was in the game at the time, and um, I was I was under maybe they were just using Bowden as the backup point guard. Um, but I was I was just under the assumption that that was going to be our permanent backup point guard. Uh, Bowden was going to be when Bone wasn't in the game. But and and I know and I know we have we have you know uh, several options there. Um, and I, I even I think maybe even in in dire situations, Schofield can bring the ball up too. I mean, we got several guys that can dribble the ball up. But um, I, I just I was just curious of that going forward. You know, um, who is going to be our number two point guard when Bone isn't in
4: the game. Yeah, I think you're right in your assumption. I think it is Bowden. They've been running as the two-point guard off of of there, and I think they got – they just put – you know, they got Lamonte in at the right time, and, and, you know, as Georgia Tech said, he got a standing ovation, which the kid deserves. It was good to see him out there and take some shots, and and it was kind of funny hearing his quote about his air ball that he had because he had the hiccups, which is amazing, but – you know, because he knew as soon as he shot it, he, he hiccuped apparently and just airballed it. So I'm sure that'll go over well with Coach Barnes. But, um, yeah, it was good to see him out there one way or another.
1: Probably also, like in a game like that, it's probably not a good like game to judge on what our rotation is going to look like. I'm sure we were trying different stuff, different uh, personnel on the, on, the, you know, on the court at the same time um, just because the game was, you know, out of hand and we could, you know, do those things. Um, so just because what what I saw or, you know, what I thought I saw, that may not even be the case going forward.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting how it all shapes out, but I think we've got a good opportunity to kind of see, um, you know, where that second team's going to go, right, in, in these next few games. And we've got some – I mean, it's SEC – Talent, I guess, in the SEC games. So you know, is it? Are the you know how many of these teams are going to be playing? You know, in March Madness, I don't know. You know, maybe uh, Florida, maybe Florida is going to put it together. You know, Alabama beat Kentucky, so um, but you know, Tennessee, they're playing at Tennessee, yeah. so um, it'll be interesting though. It's going to be it's going to be good, but the Tennessee Vols. Do you? Get, my last question, um, and this was posted uh, today, I think maybe. Uh, do you guys think Tennessee maybe jumps to number two? Uh,
4: mm-hmm. th- we're going to yeah, say three. number
5: three.
0: Um, I don't
4: – I mean, there's, I mean, there's,
0: there's are, not much margin.
2: A lot of people are saying Tennessee's yeah. the number one team in the country. That's why I ask. Do you think there's a, a, a way – I mean, we just destroyed Georgia. Not that they're a good team, but – or do you think we need a couple more of those? What did the Illinois-Michigan
1: game turn out? How did that turn out? I didn't see what the end result was. I'm sure Michigan by like won. like,
0: ten points.
1: Okay, so that wasn't a blowout.
0: No. You know what you mean? Indiana-Michigan, right? I think it was 74-63. I just looked it up. Okay, all right. Yeah,
5: it was Indiana-Michigan.
0: Yeah. Okay, my bad. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I looked this earlier while you guys were talking about stuff, just so I had something to contribute. Um, there's, a, there's not that much separating – total points wise in between all these so you know a big win is something that all, all you need is a couple voters to flip them from three to one or whatever and it could be enough to push Tennessee up
2: yeah and and again this is kind of joking but did that one guy who said he's not going to vote for Tennessee because they haven't played a road game is that has he been voting for us yet? <laughs> that guy
5: is an idiot. He had us.
1: He had us number one the next week. Actually. Oh,
2: did he? Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. But there, there was
1: there was a voter, I think, um, uh, from the Midwest somewhere that had us nine last week. So that would make yeah. a big difference if he if he if he puts us around five or what I don't you know just speculating if he jumps us up there, then that may be enough to push us across Michigan.
2: Right, right, and man, I I love get seeing all the notoriety. I think Tennessee's getting some good notoriety. It's really fun and refreshing to watch. And and you know, Jimmy Dykes loves loves him some vols. Um and then that old old miss, the Andy Kennedy guy, he was he's really high on Tennessee. Ha- listening to him and, and uh Antoine Walker talk. And Antoine Walker has not said right. no to the dinner table in a while. Goodness gracious. He's blown up like a balloon. But uh you know ESPN loves the vols now. So you know, they hate us in football, but they love us in, in basketball. So that's exciting.
1: Even Seth Davis is pushing us pretty good.
2: Wow. Even Seth Davis, which that you would think it's a cold day in hell, right? If that's going to happen. But yeah, it's, that's exciting. So we've got, um, do we want to talk OC at all, or what are you guys feeling? I think we covered that with uh, Jesse. Yeah, I feel like uh, having Jesse go through everything. Uh, we don't have any any nuggets or anything for the group, but uh, it's no. been a really fun podcast, uh, pod quest. I've got to remember to say that, pod quest this evening. But uh, anything else we, from, from the group here before we um, – anybody else have anything else they want to throw out here and talk about for the next five minutes or do we want to
4: – Do we want to predict tomorrow's night's game? Who's going to win it? it?
2: There we go. That's why I asked you guys. Thank you. All right, get me back on track. Let's talk about really quickly – Let's take five minutes or so here to talk about the college football playoff. I know we talked about it a little bit, that first round we predicted, and I think everybody was right. We thought it was going to be Clemson-Alabama. Um, first thing, I do want to ask you guys, um, just first question will be, do you think that that another Alabama versus Clemson is, is good for college football? And then two, who do you think is going to win? So, uh, Priest, I'll go to you first, man.
4: Do I think – the, I don't know what they're calling it. They can't call it a three, the, the third, the trilogy. I don't know what they're going to call it. I guess round four of them too. Is it good for college football? I mean, I don't know if it's bad for it. I, I, I mean, they're the two best teams for a reason. They're both undefeated. They're there. They Both head coaches are really great at what they do. Um, they recruit top, you know, echelon players. So, of course, they're going to be there as a Tennessee fan, do I hate that it's Alabama? Absolutely. I wish, you know, all, you know, niceties towards them and everything that they do for their players. If the game just ended in a zero zero tie and that would be great too. Um, but, you know, for me, my prediction, I think, you know, we talked about it on the podcast last week. I, I think I was maybe the only one. I can't remember, but I went out on on a limb and I'll stick with it as I, I picked Clemson. I think Clemson can, can pull the upset. Just, you know, they, they have, really good players. Um, especially I feel like on their defense, they're going to be able to at least do a little bit of damage, but I don't see either defense shutting the offense down. So I'll go Clemson 38, 35. Very cool. And
2: I do think you were the first one. So, uh, maybe I followed your lead a little bit, but I did call for Clemson as well. Um, last week, but just, just saying, so we can okay. go back
4: we're in a, we're in a boat together. <laughs> uh, no, it's that's,
2: that's. I'm going that's cool to Alabama. Stuff. PTC, what do you think, man? Alabama or Clemson?
5: Yeah, Alabama. I'm going Alabama, forty to
2: thirty. Wow, so you're a fan, Obama fan, then? That's ridiculous. I'm not a Bama <laughs> fan. I just say that's who's going to win. I'm just kidding. as much as I hate
5: to say it, I don't. It's just the way it's going to be, unfortunately.
2: Do you think it's? Do you think it's good to just this love fest with Clemson, Alabama, and they're just they're making it out to be these are the titans of college football.
5: Well, are they wrong?
2: Um, to no, I don't think they're wrong. If you look at the last five years of you know college football, but um, I don't think I think that they're putting Clemson in a in a group that they ha- they don't deserve to be in that group yet. Just because you're making it to the dance, and but they've only won it once. So, I mean, they're getting up there with their weak ass schedule. And they're recruiting very well, but this they
5: is all, in the ACC.
2: this is all recruiting. This is all helping out Dabo. And I'm sorry, guys, but we're going up against Clemson. I, you know, we're going up against them for recruits, and they're coming into our backyard and taking people. I mean, we've already talked about the T Higgins and Trevor Lawrence's of the world, but goodness gracious, I don't want to see. I think Clemson's taking our spot nationally. That should be us up there, and um, we got to start calming down that fire. I think if we want to get back into that top, you know, tier echelon. So I know that's a long one. I don't answer. disagree. I, you know, I don't think they deserve to be up there, but you know, it's good for business, I guess, for television ratings. Right. I don't know. You know, but they, when they start saying this is Celtics Lakers and this is, you know, Red Sox, it's Yanks, not Celtics, Lakers. you know what I mean? I, like that stuff really kind of pisses me off. So um, I take, I take great offense for some reason to that. Um, unfortunately, but uh, what do you think, Powell, Man, where where do you think we're going to land with uh, Clemson and uh, and Bammer?
1: I took uh, in our in our office office pool. We got I took um, I took Alabama thirty four thirty one. I took I took Alabama to win and Clemson to cover. Um, so but it, something I was going to ask everybody else five or six years ago did did anyone did anybody actually see dabo like continuing this run this long i mean I, i've got to give it credit I to, some, to the guy i didn't even nope. i didn't see this happening with them i, I thought they would nope. they would have their three or four years and then kind of flame out and but i didn't uh, i didn't at all see them being able to continue their success even though they've only won it one time but i mean that's to say that that's still, you know, they're there every year, you know, and nobody's going to beat them in ACC for a while.
2: Right. Yeah. No, they're
5: not with Willie Tiger down there at FSU. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Really.
2: He's he's going to turn that program around, man. Slick Willie. <laughs> Whatever oh
5: you're drinking, can I have some of that?
2: No, man. No, I. You know, I. You can tell I. I'm really on top of my game tonight because I haven't had anything to drink. I'm drinking tea tonight, so I'm, you know, but. Uh, no, it's uh, – Powell, I think that's a good point, man. And, you know, I didn't think that they were going to do – I thought they are going to – you know, there's a thing called Clemsoning, right? They lost – they would always lose a game every year and they would choke yeah. a game that they weren't supposed to to lose. And I thought that Clemson was always going to be – you know, they used to get the C.J. Spillers and some of these random guys out of Florida, five-star guys, and the Daquan Bowers of of the world. You're know, like, how are they getting some of these guys up to Clemson? And now they've paired that with – I don't want to say the easiest schedule in the world, not a Notre Dame schedule, but, you know, a fairly easy schedule, fairly easy conference championship game, because their talent is just head and shoulders above everybody else. And that's how, that's their recipe for success. And ain't nobody going to stop them. And that's the thing is they're good. They're getting to the playoff, but they're not winning. They've, again, they've, they won it once, but you had Deshaun Watson who was incredible, right? So it's like, they're going to be in that, picture every single time but I again I, I think it's unfair for them to be put up in this pedestal that they're I mean they are an elite program right now but they're not even it's not them and Bama they're like Dabo said in his interviews they're driving the bus right it's it's Bama and everybody else on the bus and they might be driving the bus but they're still on the bus you know they're, they're not um, with Alabama yet that's just again my opinion uh, pounding through what do you think brother Bama
0: Clemson Bama Bama. I think they do it by at least. Uh, I don't say at least. Uh, they're going about two touchdowns. They're uh, they're a lot better in Clemson. I feel like I, th- I think it'd be Bama pretty easily. Right. No, it'll.
2: It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Do you think? And we've kind of talked about this a little bit. Do you think this is good? Again, version four of of this matchup. I think-
0: mean. You know, like, like I think Priest said, I don't, I don't think it's bad. Um, it, it's a little boring, I, I think, on some level. That's, that's what I don't like about it. I mean, yeah. it's just like I'd like to see other teams kind of move and go up there, and that's the right. worst thing about Bama going on this stretch. It's not – I mean, the fact that it's our rival, like, is insult to injury, but it's just – it takes some of the fun out of college football. Um, right. Knowing that there's a team up there that's so well coached and so stocked that you know they're going to be in the conversation. It's it's more fun when college football is better when teams are constantly moving um, up and down throughout the process. So maybe I will change my answer. No, it's not probably good for uh, for college football because uh, you know there needs to be um, some variety and some surprise in it. We just don't have that with Bama right now. We need Nick Saban to retire Kerrigan, like I said <laughs> yeah that'd be fine I'll take that <laughs> I, I really thought Haslam was going to hire him to coach the Browns like when he bought the team I thought this is going to be like the crowning achievement of a Tennessee alumni like he's going to buy an NFL team and hire saving away two birds with one star. <laughs> and I just never materialized Did <laughs> uh, my head
2: so that's funny no I again I'll be short suit on, on mine I you know I feel like and I talked about this last week. I think this is Trevor Lawrence's defining moment, um, where he does some kind of Peyton Manning esque type drive, fourth quarter drive, and wins it for Clemson. Uh, you've got that Hunter Renfro guy that that made a game winning catch last time when Clemson edged Alabama, and I think you are going to see, you know, with those wide receivers and with Trevor Lawrence. I think they're going to squeak it out. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. They're going to come back and have some dramatic uh, victory, and that's going to shoot Trevor Lawrence into a trajectory unseen from college quarterbacks. I think it's going to be bigger than a From, bigger than all those other guys. A Tua, even it, he's going to be the next, you know, big thing. Um, and it it pains me to say that, but I think that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, we've already talked about the is it good or bad. I'll just my last point about all of this stuff is I just wish that they'd bring the BCS back. Yes, because Tennessee has won a BCS championship. I just thought it was fun. I think it brings – a lot of people talk about the prestige to the bowl games. Um, and Maybe that's another thing for us to talk about, you know – Next week or something, but I think we have those that makes the bowl games a lot more fun. Um, I just haven't had as much interest in some of these games, just like, and you look at it like a Georgia versus Texas, they didn't freaking even care, right? Um, they thought that they were snubbed and they went and got whooped up on in the Sugar Bowl, but anyway, I, I, I would love to see the BCS back. Um, and I know that really wraps it up for tonight. Um, anything else from the crew here? uh before we sign off
5: i think we covered it all man this was a great bog quest especially having jesse on that's always a good time
2: yeah it was super fun and and thanks everybody happy new year to all the listeners out there and everyone on vol quest um thank you guys for joining powell priest pounding thrill if you guys want to say good night to the to the group
0: and we'll sign off Uh, Good night, and I hope that we have an offensive coordinator by the next time we have a podcast.
4: (laughs) Good night, everybody. I second that notion.
5: Hey, man, good night, everybody. Y'all have a great one. Glad to have Pounding Thrill back. Glad to have everybody on. It's been fun. Glad to
2: be here. Awesome. Hey, everybody, have a good night. I've got a real quick shout-out to our favorite coach, Holly Warlick, before we go. Um, Lady Vols she going to lose after two timeouts in a row she couldn't drop a play.
5: So
1: they come when you need to learn to get better and just play the game.
2: So we love you that. never gets old i know i